Hey everyone, welcome to episode 128 of the Unfocus podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. With me as always is Andrew Brown. Yabba dabba do, I'm talking to you. <laughs> and Tori Wasana. Uh, yeah, hi. <laughs> and the dog. And the dog. And the dog. Hey dog. <laughs> we'll have no opinions from the dog because he's clearly barking mad. Oh my god. Uh, and this week... Uh, we're going to do another catch-up on the Mario 3D All-Stars collection. We're going to talk about uh, two games in a series, Alwa's Awakening and Alwa's Legacy. We're going to talk about Super Mario 35, and uh, Andrew's going to give us a little chat about his revisit to Dead by Daylight. So with that, let's jump straight into the latest Switch news. <laughs> Okay, first up in the news, uh, they finally revealed the next Smash character coming later this month. Uh, it is, of course, Steve from Minecraft. I th- I'm pretty sure I called this on an earlier podcast leading up to uh, Smash's release. Um, I'm not 100% certain, but I'm going to take that victory anyway. I loved the reveal trailer for this. I thought it was brilliant. I'm curious, when did you, when did it click that you knew it was Minecraft? cave enderman eyes in the background okay it was the spider sound for me uh, i watched it without sound oh. at first on on uh, socials and then I, I called it later but yeah i saw the enderman eyes in the background when mario was looking scared um, <laughs> yeah just the comedic elements using the steak eating <laughs> <laughs> while, while mario's trying to figure things out yeah brilliant and as always looks like uh, a lot of work's gone in to make sure that Steve, Alex, uh, the zombie, and Enderman all have familiar moves, movesets from the core game that they're from. Uh, really pleased with that. Uh, Steve can build, wield his sword, uh, use dynamite with, with redstone. It's all pretty authentic. There's even a Minecraft stage, which changes. That looked really cool. Um, and of course, there's the obligatory uh, Kirby <laughs> changeover for for every new character. Love it. He's just a pink square. <laughs> um, did you um, realize that just how much work has gone into reworking every stage to work with the mining mechanic? No, I did see that in a, a news post after. It's um, incredible. Yeah, and uh, I I saw there was a employee from Mojang. That had left the company, and they said Nintendo first approached them about this four years ago. Oh wow! And because he left and hadn't heard anything, he just assumed it had died. Um, so that that could be an insight into how long they've been like planning how that's all gonna fit in and work. Uh, I, I'm really into it. I still haven't played Smash since I finished the World of Light mode. Um, I should go back in and play with all these DLC characters that I've paid for and not used yet. Um, Andrew, I guess you're in the same boat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's that. Um, I, it's not on the notes, but I just wanted to talk about the Mario Kart Live new trailer that showed in depth on how the actual thing's going to work. Um, I was already sold on the concept. Um, before seeing this, I thought it was just a concept. You know, like a you know, gimmicky thing. You know, play with it once or twice. But I was surprised at how much of an actual game there actually is to this. Yeah. It's basically Mario Kart 8.5. Yeah. Um, the cars drift 
although you know they won't drift as as they will in the the core series. Uh, I liked the fact that they limit the cart speed based on the CC speed that you choose to race at. Um, all the AR stuff seems amazing. Yeah, they they tried to do the no, you can do this in a small space too, honest thing, but I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> yeah, it looks like they got pretty good um, tight steering, so mm-hmm. that'll help. I'm curious if this will work with the um, the wheel for the switch. Couldn't. Surely not. If it did, that would be uh, incredible. <laughs> I remember on the trailer they flashed up the compatible control methods, and I can't remember if Pro Controller was on there. It would have to be, surely. And if it is, it, is that all the wheel is? It's just a remapped... Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because we were thinking, like, hey, we could play on the big screen in our lounge room while the carts are racing out, out the back room. <laughs> yeah. So our house isn't like massive or anything, but we've got this uh, layout where the kitchen's bang in the middle of the house, and then there's like a, a family room, and we could probably set up a track so it goes around through the family room, under the dining table, through the kitchen and the laundry, and then and back around. It does seem like it needs hard flooring, not yeah. not carpeting. Yeah, I don't think carpet's going to work. Some of these changes in our in our house, some of the area changes have like a little uh, lip. You know where where the extension was put in before we moved in. Um, will it clear those well enough? I think it will. It seems like it's got decent wheels. It should, but it shouldn't be too hard to create like a little maybe cardboard mm-hmm. bridge. Yeah, a little ramp or something. Yeah, that's a good show. I'm curious to see if it'll kind of track tilting at all. Because mm. I thought it would yeah. be cool to kind of make you know like NASCAR corners <laughs> yeah that's true yeah that'd be interesting previously i th- felt that uh, it was going to be like a one player thing but it seems you can race up to four physical cuts together um the reason i thought that was because i was wondering how power-ups would work with the physical stuff you know, like when enemies hit you with, with things how will it work they just like cut power to your cart briefly i think that's a cool little workaround uh there's also the uh chain chomp that actually takes control over your cart. Oh, wow. So it, it, it'll, it like, take steering away from you. I thought that was really cool. And the the bullet bill. Yeah. Where you actually become the bullet and get an increase in speed. Uh, and it's got the guided mode as well, so if you're having trouble staying on the track, you can have it so you won't come off. Which is, like, blows my mind a little, given there aren't actual physical barriers unless you place them there. Yeah. I like um, how they're doing the the tracks where it's an AR overlay mm-hmm. for the different environments and, and everything. Yeah. Yeah, this looks really cool. This is uh, Nintendo at their weirdest, and I love it. Uh, Andrew, has the new info done anything to sway your mind, or are you still more worried about space? I don't have the space or the money for this. No change in my mind. Fair enough. Uh, so that's it for the news. Not much else big happened during the week. Uh, I guess they did some Pokemon stuff where they went over the uh, the new DLC coming later this month. Every legendary coming back. Yeah. Um, and announced Pokemon Go. You can finally put your Pokemon in home and then transfer them into other like games in the series. Uh that's useful. There's a bit of a kerfuffle um, with that too, actually. Because mm-hmm. they... Uh, was it time-gated and then you can pay to remove the 
the gate. Yeah, as far as we know, yeah. Yeah, not ideal, but um, I think I'd probably, because I've, I've, since COVID hit, I've totally dropped off Pokemon Go and I'm never going back to it, so I'm probably just going to like get my shinies off my account. Yeah, fair. That's not a big deal. Uh, that, that about covers it for news. So let's move on to what we've been playing. Okay, we're going to kick this off again with uh, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Uh, so Super Mario Sunshine, I, I finished that just shortly after we finished last week's recording. I finished on 58 Shines. Uh, there are just a couple of um, mechanical things that I'd, I'd want to change with it if, if I had those powers. Uh, I think Jetpack would be better as the default setting for the Flood. Because uh, I was using that way more than I was using the Flood as an attacking force. And th- and this is something that's true of all three games in the pack. I would like jump and talk to be completely different buttons. Because in Sunshine in particular, those poor Delfinos, I was just stomping on them constantly by accident. Just <laughs> just because it hadn't triggered that I was stood. I thought you were going to go the other way. <laughs> Every time I wanted to jump, I was talking to them. No? <laughs> no. Uh, so Andrew said uh, last time out that Sunshine was secretly the hardest game in the 3D Mario series. I completely agree with that. Some of those uh, secret of levels were a complete pain in the backside. Uh, they're kind of like challenge levels, and they're like super difficult, but they always come before the story critical Shadow Mario missions, uh, which irked me a little. Oddly, the last one was the easiest one of the bunch. Um, which was the one where you get thrown by the the chockers. Yeah, some more age-specific complaints I had were... um, For these secret levels in particular, there's there's one where you uh, have to get Yoshi before you go into the secret level. Uh, Sorry, he helps you get to the secret level. So to do that, you find his egg, then you have to go find the fruit that he wants, then you bring it back to him, then you have to go and do a bunch of really difficult jumps... Uh, so if you die, you have to go get Yoshi again. Uh, when you get to the secret level, you lose Yoshi. You try to do the level, you fi- try and figure it out. You die. If you run out of your lives then, because I went into it with one life, stupidly, uh, it kicks you out all the way back to uh, the overworld. And then you have to go back into level. You have to do the Yoshi thing again. And it, I, I guess the complaint is more, you know, modern games don't have lives. And I'm kind of glad of that. Yeah, just a lot of uh, backtracking if you're not nailing some of those levels first time. Uh, Otherwise, I liked it. Uh, Not my favourite in the series, uh, but way better than I expected. I think part part of that will be the uh, everyone else's uh, you know bile spew towards it for however many years it's been. Yeah, has anyone else played more of this one, Tori? No, not yet. (laughs) I don't have it in me. Uh, Andrew? I finished it last weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't like this game. So I came away like thinking I really liked it until I started Super Mario Galaxy. Uh, which, um, you know, off the bat, I think Super Mario Galaxy is the best game on this collection. Um, and it sort of helped put it into context. So I, I'm in like with Super Mario Sunshine. I'm in love with Super Mario Galaxy. Tori hinted at it last week. It's kind of a mix of the different Mario ethoses. Like it, it's definitely more a point A to point B uh, than the previous two games. Uh, you know, there's some side scrolling in there as well, so it's a bit of a hybrid game. The galaxy setup 
as you're moving from planet to planet in a given level just keeps everything feeling fresh like even in like one area uh, I'm not saying it's better but after two games of having two you know like a big open world with multiple things to go do in it um, I definitely appreciated the more slimline three core stars to find uh, across you know like a huge number of different uh, planets within a level I thought that that was refreshing especially after the, coming off the back of the last two games this does mean that I'm spending less time in single worlds and getting more variety just just because of that um, I like both approaches it was just nice to have this off the back of two very similar approaches motion control stages uh, so there's parts where you will use the a gyroscope to you know, surf on um, race surfing, um, which they should have made a fish and called it Mario Kart. I ignored that tweet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's ball balancing, uh, which is very safe for work, um, where you stand on top and you have to, you know, slowly move your pad around. The annoying thing about this is that you have to hold the pro controller vertically. Yeah. Uh, took me t- way too long to figure that out. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, the Wii remote in the original game, it's kind of like a joystick. Mm-hmm. I had so much trouble with it when I was a kid and I played it. Not a kid, mm-hmm. I was 18. Yeah, this time around, the, the gyro is so much more accurate that I just had no issue with it. Yeah, once I got the, the hang of like where how I was meant to hold it, because it explained that terribly. It does. I, I forgot. I was like, oh yeah, that's right, it's a joystick. And then also, um, like, there's a huge like gap between the two uh, ball games, and I'd forgotten by the time <laughs> I got to the second one, uh, which was in lava, so I didn't really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, and then the the last one was bubble blowing, where Mario gets into a bubble, you go to an overhead view, and you move the cursor on the screen to find the angle to. Uh, blow his bubble around that one i liked a lot i thought that was much better than the you know the balance or, or waggling oh, i haven't done that one yet i remember that i swear odyssey had something like that too actually yeah i think there's a lot of familiar elements from odyssey going back to galaxy and seeing where they mm-hmm. came from they, they they feel very similar in handling as well yeah uh, i complained a lot about cameras on this collection so i i'd, I'd be remiss of me not to mention it here and um, on this they've gone back to the stepped Mario, it's like a mix. You can do 360 motion around Mario in a lot of areas, but it's still like quite stepped. Um, but I think when they when you hit those fixed camera perspectives, they handle that better than uh, Mario 64. Of course, it's been you know multiple years since between the two games. Um, but the only thing I found was I kept having to turn my head in real life when Mario was upside down because my brain would. Just not figure that out. <laughs> oh, like in the two D parts with the up and yeah, down. Yeah, like if you're on a small if you're on a small planet oh, and you're yeah. upside down. Yeah, I'm like turning my head to the right to try and <laughs> try and figure that out. Other elements, there's the prankster comets. Um, so after you beat a level, they have like a chance of appearing over one of the galaxies. They add modifiers to levels such as time limits or faster foes. I feel like they only exist really to encourage you on to other levels, but you do get rewards for them. You know, there's there's another star for it. And you can also pay a Luma to move it for you if you're really set on doing that particular level. 
uh, uh, there's lots of secret stars to find other than the core three. Uh, Luigi will help you find some once you rescue him in, in one of the story missions. You have to figure out which uh, galaxy he's in and go find him and rescue him. Uh, one thing I did really like about this one as well is the more classic approach to power-ups. They're all mushrooms. Yeah, they're all mushrooms, but they're all different. It's not It's not like... Uh, you know, Mario 64, where every ability has like a really harsh time limit. Or... Oh, yeah. And uh, so there's the, the bee suit, yep. uh, which is ridiculously cute. <laughs> uh, there's the, the boo mushroom, where Mario dies and becomes a ghost, and then gets uh, sexually harassed by other ghosts. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you, you go near another boo and a little love heart pops over and they start chasing you. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. It's the moustache, isn't it? I could say more. I'm not thinking. Uh, the, the the spring suit that that made me laugh, but it is the most difficult one to use in the game. Oh yeah, is Boulder Mario in this one, or is that in two? It must be two. I don't remember. I don't remember him in this one. Okay. Still, some user experience things uh, that uh, hangovers from Sunshine. You mentioned these last last week, but you didn't say what they were. Uh, so there are uh, Loomers that appear either in the world or on the, the hub world. Uh, Rose's ship, I forget what it's called now. And you have to feed them the star bits that you've collected, so they'll transform in levels. They might transform into a shortcut to a, a secret star or another area. In the hub world, they, they're they like bonus galaxies, I guess. And yeah, so you trigger the conversation with them. They say they want the thing, so you start firing the, the star bits at them nothing happens, and it was at that point I realised I actually had to be locked in conversation with them to actually have them uh, the star bits feed them. Which meant I kept wasting ammo in the early early part, because I thought they triggered for me to hit them with their food, and they... Oh no. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, so, you can't force uh, feed them. Nah. Uh, so you played this one the most last week? Are you still playing it? I mean, the last week there's been a lot of other releases that I've been playing, not on Switch, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, this is the one that I want to finish first. Andrew, you played much of this one? I played it for a night. I'm at 51 Power Stars in it now. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know when I'm going to finish it. <laughs> it's not a priority for me right now. I have uh, I agree with everything you said, including I think this might be the best game on, on here. But... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've just I've never been able to commit to Galaxy in the long term. Like uh, I always have mm-hmm. to do it in installments. <laughs> I've beaten this yeah. game a couple times, but it's always taken me several weeks to to do that. <laughs> and I don't know why. Yeah. When I can I can do Super Mario sixty four in literally two or three days, and Super Mario Sunshine, even though I I grumbled the entire way through it, I did that in two or three days, and then this one, like, I'll get half the stars in one night and then i'll be like ah, i don't feel like it anymore (laughs) (laughs) uh so you actually only need 60 uh, but i think a chunk of those need to be the uh, grand stars from the boss levels uh she didn't seem to need the fifth one yeah which is weird i thought that they were going to gate me that way unlike super Uh, mario sunshine where i just do what's required because i know that the the other stars the other shines don't matter and also, many of them are just a complete headache to get done. I, mm-hmm. I don't mind any of the stars in Galaxy. There's none of them that I, you know, dread 
doing. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So I just do them all in order. Uh, like, I might need yeah. just 60 to finish the game. You know, whatever. I'm just doing them all in order. And when I get to the end of the game, I get to the end of the game. Yes, I finished on 80-odd uh, uh, stars. Uh, I did all of the three core stars from every level, um, including the extra observatory it throws at you the, before you can go to Bowser's game. Um, I've done a couple of the secret ones, and I, I've gone in and done a couple of the comet ones. But they, yeah, I, where I've left it is uh, just before we started recording, I'm literally at the steps of at Bowser, so ready to go back and kick his butt afterwards. Oh, the other thing I, I want to say, the, the, I think this one is much better balanced than the other two games, um, largely because they've got checkpoints partway through levels. Yeah, the checkpoints, I like the way that they do the health in this one. Mm-hmm. Even though like yeah. Sunshine and um, 64 have eight chunks of health, it feels more consistent in this one. It might be mm-hmm. only be three, but you you know, it's always going to be one chunk of damage. Yep. I also didn't feel as punished. Um, I know like in Sunshine and 64, once you get into an interior inside a level, such as like the pyramid, if you die, you'll start back in the pyramid again which uh, I appreciated. Um, I think this does a much better job of feeling like challenging, but also friendlier throughout. Yeah, honestly, I, th- I feel like this is like Nintendo at their most joyous and creative. There was a couple of levels where it was like straight up elements ripped from Mario 64, but modernized, which I, I, I liked. Uh, like, you know, following uh, Guppy and going through the rings, like that was a much friendlier experience than that was in 64 yeah so i appreciated uh, that that modernization of those old ideas as well and you know when it introduced those it did it in new ways as a collection i think it's awesome i've uh, had three wonderful weeks uh, i've probably spent a week on each game uh, i don't think any of these games beat odyssey odyssey doesn't have the same level of impact of the creativity of something like galaxy uh, it feels like a refinement of all the lessons from like these three games in particular um yeah galaxy definitely the standout uh, i wish it had two because uh, this this one has definitely had to make me consider my uh, my internal and very unimportant ranking of the 3d mario games um and all three have just made me more excited for super mario 3d world because yeah I, I already love that i love that game it got such yeah. a bad rap when it came out because it wasn't yeah. galaxy and also, uh, 3D Land got a bad rap just because everyone wanted to hate the 3DS because it was failing. That's true. At that point, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's All Stars. I'll have that beat tonight, and then I'll be uh, getting back on with Paper Mario and the Origami King. Um, I have on my light been playing through uh, Mario All Stars on the the SNES app. Uh, I did a no warp playthrough of the first game, uh, which I loved. That remake on that collection gets a bit of stick about the the visuals being up, updated, but there's lots I loved with that. Like uh, whenever you beat Bowser at the end of a a world, uh, he when he dies he turns into a you know a normal enemy to highlight that you're not actually fighting Bowser. And there's all those like little unique Toad animations uh, in the um, in the first game. Yeah, so in the first game technically happens I think in the original. Yeah, but only if yeah, you've been with Firestar. Uh, no, the Fire Flower. Yeah, actually, that might be it. And uh, you know what? Uh, my muscle memory on that game still holds up. I got to, like, uh, World 6 
two or three before I died. I got all there on the single life. Uh, I tried starting a, a no warp uh, playthrough of Mario Two, uh, but I failed at that because I accidentally found a warp. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, I've nearly beaten that as well. So I'll start three after that, which um, yeah, uh, it's one definitely one of my favourite two D Mario games. Mm. Ah, okay, so let's uh, put Mario to one side for the moment, uh, and we will talk about uh, two retro platformers that Andrew's been playing. Uh, guess we'll kick off with Alwa's Awakening. Yeah, I know I said I was going to play Warsaw this week, but I got to taking a look at the reviews it was getting, and they weren't great. So I thought I could either take a gamble with Warsaw, which might be something I, I would like, might be something I wouldn't, or I could go back to the well of games that I've al- always liked to, you know, I- I- eye-rolling from uh, <laughs> from our listeners. this is another retro platformer adventure style game (laughs) yeah i've played another one i think it's about the dozenth one i've played this year (laughs) but i like these games bite me um nothing wrong with that always awakening is a couple years old now i've been wanting to play it for a while i just just hadn't done it yet and in this past week on the eShop, its sequel, Always Legacy, had come out, so I thought, well, I better do it now, or I'm going to get really far behind on this entire series, and I'm glad I did, because uh, I, I really did enjoy Always Awakening. Um, this is more of an 8-bit style retro platformer in, in its graphics and its level design, like every single screen is exactly one screen, and... <laughs> The world map fits on exactly one screen. I really appreciated that symmetry. Always Awakening is about a girl named Zoe who is summoned by some older woman with magical powers named Saga to a land called Aloa, which is being menaced by a man named Vicar and his four protector mages who have, you know, magic powers <laughs> and <laughs> zoe finds a magic staff and she finds some gems that she can add to the staff that give her special powers uh and this is where the the metroid style exploration comes in uh, but they go out of their way to avoid the traditional abilities in a game like this like there's no double jump uh, instead zoe can summon a block which can block enemy fire and she can also stand on it to get a little bit of a boost to her jump and later on in the game she can upgrade it so that way she can ride on it like a boat and she can also summon a bubble that floats in the air and that gives her an even more of a boost for her for her jump but it it only goes vertically so there's no there's no horizontal boost to it and once again later on in the game she can upgrade it to so that way the bubble never bursts. She can ride it as high as she wants, as long as she's able to avoid damage and avoid falling off the bubble. The collectibles in the game are called blue orbs, and the more blue orbs you have, then the more damage a boss will take when the boss battle starts. At the end of the game, I had 75 of the 99 total blue orbs, so as soon as a boss battle started four of their 10 hit points immediately disappeared, which I thought was kind of an interesting idea. It's it's a very literal interpretation of 
you know, exploring and becoming stronger. Like usually if you explore, you find items that give you a slight advantage, you know, Mega Man style. If you, if you really go out of your way to find everything in this game, it, it literally just damages the bosses more for you. <laughs> the more exploration <laughs> you've done. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, and the bosses are, they're really good platforming bosses. Uh, typical design uh, where if you try to, just get in their face and spam the attack button, you're going to die pretty quick. But if you step back and actually really look at their attacks and put more effort into dodging attacks versus dealing damage, then you're going to uh, you're going to do all right. But some of the bosses did get pretty rough in, in their difficulty. There was one... It took me s quite some time to figure out how to even hurt this boss without taking damage myself. And uh, I, I took a video capture of the process I had to go through and put it up on my Twitter and said, Dark Souls, eat your heart out, because <laughs> uh, <laughs> this made Dark Souls look like easy mode. <laughs> <laughs> and after that boss was the final area of the game, which uh, was some of the better platforming challenges I've done this year. It was, it was like a, a Super Meat Boy kind of area, which really stood out from the rest of the game, which was a more standard exploration style game where the, the platforming isn't really the challenge it's just the obstacle between you and your destination but this was a serious challenge to get to the final boss yeah that was always awakening i i really enjoyed that one i'm glad i finally sat down to play it then there's the sequel which just came out this past week it's called alwa's legacy and it's sort of the Super Metroid to the original's Metroid, uh, up to and including an upgrade in graphics. Mm. It's more of a 16-bit retro-style game. Um, nice. Yeah, the, the the pixel count is a lot more dense. The art style is a lot more intricate. It's just a much nicer game to look at versus the original's more minimal approach to its, its graphics. Uh, but at first I thought... Is this game just a remake of the, the original because it begins the exact same way and almost the exact same screen and <laughs> all his goals are the same uh, and she starts off again with nothing but you get the staff then you get the same three gems with the same three abilities again but that's just kind of how the game starts uh, very quickly you reaccumulate all of her skills in like the first hour of the game I had everything she had in Awakening back already. And that's where the game really stepped out on its own. Uh, it's a much bigger world to explore. There's a lot more tools you need to traverse it past, you know, summoning blocks and bubbles. Uh, and the blue orbs are back, but this time instead of just dealing a base amount of damage to bosses, you can actually take the blue orbs to a wizard in town and you can use them to, to upgrade your spells so they gain new effects. Like the block, you can change it so that way it'll grow a spike on the front of it so you can push it into enemies to hurt them. And then another upgrade for the block lets you just hit the block so it becomes a projectile, and that became one of my best weapons, actually, was to summon a block, a big spiky block, and just fling it at an enemy. That worked on pretty much everything. But while the world was a lot trickier to navigate because there were there were more tools, I, I did find this game to be significantly easier than Always Awakening. The bosses, they had a lot of the same bullet hell elements, but I didn't get stuck on any of them for any great amount of time. And in fact, by the end of the game, uh, when I had Always, not Always, uh, <laughs> when I had Zoe's Lightning Bolt upgraded, I was just shredding bosses. They weren't even challenging me. Um, <laughs> 
And, like, you can upgrade Zoe's health in this one. That probably helped me, too. Whereas in the original... I either didn't find a way to upgrade Zoe's health, or in the original, you just get three hit points and that's it. But uh, you can find an item to upgrade Zoe's hit points in, in Legacy. Um, yeah, I still enjoyed Always Legacy. I think they have different strengths and weaknesses. I think Legacy is a more interesting world to explore, but Awakening was more challenging. So, you know, I, I definitely recommend them both. And maybe start with Legacy if you're if you're not a, a challenge gamer, because the, the last few bits of Awakening really, really put me through my paces. So uh, on that basis, the next one will be like a low-poly uh, 3D adventure. Well, like, we can only <laughs> hope. I mean... <laughs> um, well, speaking, did anyone see uh, Mac, was it MacBat64 on the eShop, which just looks like a, a Mario 64 clone? No, that doesn't sound... Where you play a bat... It's like two dollars. I was very tempted. No, I didn't see that. <laughs> but it just looks like such a shameless ripoff as well. Yeah, that's uh, the hours series. Uh, let's go back to Mario and uh, talk about Mario Super Mario Thirty Five, which they uh, dropped for free for a limited period. Um, so for those that don't know, this is the Super Mario version of Tetris Ninety Nine. Thirty five players enter; only one may leave. Uh, so you play through Mario levels, uh, killing enemies, which then sends them to other screens. Uh, it's got similar strategies to Tetris 99, so you can target people with the least time. You can target those attacking you. You can target those with the most coins or just pick them at random, which is what I did most of the time. Uh, you start in World 1-1 with a piddly time limit, um, and that gets extended by killing enemies and collecting double power-ups. Uh, if you collect 20 coins, you can then uh, press X to get a random power-up, uh, or if you find an extra life, you'll get gifted 20 coins. Yeah, so as you play through, you'll you'll start on 1-1, you'll go to 2-2, two, two, sorry, you'll go to 1-2, um, but the more you play, it'll start taking you into random areas. Uh, when you've unlocked them, you can then choose to start in those areas if you want. Uh, some of these areas include boss levels, which also plays a part in the tactics. So if Every enemy you kill goes onto someone else's screen. That includes Bowser. So there is a strategy strategy for jumping into the boss levels early on to just, just to try and mess people up a little bit. Other than that, though, I don't see why you wouldn't start on 1-1, one, one, because the only advantage to starting on the other levels is familiarity, and 1-1 one, one is like the most familiar platform level of all time. And it's so familiar that people rip it off when they're modding, they rip it off... In other games, uh, it's yeah, it's just it's the most famous platforming level. Uh, interestingly, the warp pipes are there in one two, uh, but instead of putting you further into where you would in Super Mario Brothers, it lets you pick which uh, level you go to next instead of leaving it to chance. You can lose from dying to enemies. You can lose from falling in pits. You can lose by running out of time. So it, it's definitely important you take out uh, all those enemies. Uh, have we all played this? Yes, and I find the level progression very confusing. Yeah, I haven't I haven't really thought about that, to be honest. Andrew, you played it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to do a competitive game right now. I don't I don't have it in me. That that's fair. For for me, uh the the, the thing it's got over playing Tetris is that for a lo- a large portion of it you can just be playing Mario. Uh, and it doesn't feel like you're trying to screw other people over, even though you secretly are. 
I've been top five pretty consistently in all the matches I've played. Uh, I, I played it uh, like all night on on night one because I just couldn't bring myself to stop. And then I, I've done a couple of other steps since. Um, I finished top two quite a lot. The only issue I've had in terms of balancing has been there's a few times where I was in the last three and all three of us were doing equally well. Um, and what it does in that situation is then put the timer into a super fast mode uh, where you have to then kill as many enemies as you can. Uh, which, if you're doing better than other people at that stage, you've got less enemies appearing on your screen. So it means you're going to be the first one that dies. So it becomes a bit of a bit of a crapshoot as to who's going to get the the win in those scenarios. Because people seem to have an aversion with going to the boss levels. There's like plenty of games where nothing really difficult happens. Um, and if you get the Fire Flower, you're kind of going to be alright because you can just keep knocking enemies out really quickly and survive in, in that way. Uh, and then it just be- becomes about you know trying to avoid the difficult levels or just being careful through those difficulty jumpy levels. Um, have you had any balancing issues like that, Tori? Uh, the balancing issue that I had the most trouble with is that people are sending me Bowser's but mm-hmm. I never actually get to a Bowser level, so I can't do it back consistently. So what you need to do is find the warp on one time. I did. Oh, you did, and you hadn't had that as an option yet. I, I've managed to like get to 1-4 naturally okay. once, okay. but most of the time it just keeps on looping 1-3. Yeah, I've, I've, it loops 1-1 one and 1-2 uh, one, one quite a lot, and then suddenly starts throwing in random ones. I don't know if there's a trigger for that. I haven't figured that out yet. I had a warp pipe screen once that was just three one ones. Mm-hmm. It, that, yeah, I've had that too. It's just <laughs> that, that's the frustrating part is that I don't know how to get to those levels because I'm getting, you know, hammer bros and bowsers chucked into my level and I can't. I can defeat them. That's fine. It's just I can't do it back consistently and I figured that maybe using the warp pipe it was breaking the 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 flow so yeah, so i think I'd get it just to... decides i think it's like a dice roll whenever you get to the end of a level because um, at the start of a game you pick a level and i don't know if it's that's just putting that level into the rotation or if that's the level that you start on that's the one you start on and most people start on one one the benefit to starting on one four is bowser and getting him in the mix as quickly as possible yeah it's yeah it's just confusing but also, it's um, you know, there's the challenge in that because it's a harder level than one one. Oh, for sure. So you might you might equally screw but up. But you can also um, go in starting with a like a fire flower. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that if I just knew how the level progression worked, like how it picks the levels, because at the moment it just seems random, and that's the most frustrating part, and why I haven't gone back to it yet. Yeah, I feel like it's heavily randomized. Yeah, I just feel I just feel like it's the end game that's the most unfair. Like I nearly won one where it was sorry, I nearly won a match, not won one. <laughs> uh I nearly won a match uh you know with almost like a normal Mario level, you know, running through no nothing uh really challenging getting thrown at me and then other ones it's just like three or four Bowsers. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, but then you get a star yeah. and you just wipe them all out, and somebody else has to deal with it. Yeah. And like Tetris ninety nine, I really love those matches where you just sort of fly under the radar, and no one's 
targeting you, targeting you for whatever reason, and you're just like slowly chipping away at people. Uh, yeah, mm. been been a few in there. Um, it helps a lot that the core game of Super Mario, is, you know, still holds up to this day. It's still one of the greatest games ever made. Um, so it's it's always fun to play. Like you know, the moment to moment basis. I do feel whoever controls the Fire Flower controls the world. Yeah. Uh, it's such a big advantage to have that. Like, even fighting bells is just really easy when you've got a Fire Flower. Spam, 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 spam. Dead. Send him to someone else. So I'm liking it a lot. I th- maybe there will be a pattern that emerges on how the levels uh, work. But there, there seems to be heaps to unlock as well. There, There is a, a progression system so you can update your profile and and that sort of stuff. Although it doesn't really affect the game that much. It's just what you look like to other players. The The most impressive thing for me is that you can have 35 people playing Mario. You can see what every single one of them's doing. Uh, and there's no lag. Yeah, it must be desynced on some level just to, mm-hmm. to have it working. But yeah, it's incredible. Incredible. I don't know because because they said it's limited release. You know, you got to download it before a certain date. I don't know if that means the service as it is is going to stop when that deadline goes. I hope not because I'm I'm really enjoying this. It'd be weird if it did because there's so much that like they're doing events and they're doing customization. Mm-hmm. Like they could straight up drop you know other Mario games into this as well. Yeah, like they could do a Mario three themed one, Mario two themed one. I guess the handling would be the throw-off for two, because it handles very differently to the other Mario games. Um, yeah. It, it's it's something they could do. Um, I, I really like this format for uh, Battle Royale games. Um, and, you know, I always appreciate it when uh, Battle Royales take a step back away from shooting mechanics, and, you know, this is a really creative use of a, a classic license. Yeah, I think a lot of retro arcade era games fit this format quite well Mm -hmm. i'd like to see more next year zelda 35 oh my god bring it on randomized screens 12 octorocks (laughs) yes (laughs) uh boss fights (laughs) send some lionels over yeah yeah so send the dragon over (laughs) yeah Uh, mario 35 it's free i recommend at least giving it a go Um, free for nso yeah for Nintendo Online subscribers. Uh, I approach it as if you're playing Mario. Don't get too stressed about the competitive thing. I, I find that's how I do best, by just focusing on what I'm doing rather than what everyone else is doing. And yeah, it's it's very Moorish, uh, despite you know like the couple of concerns I've got over it at this point. Yeah, if, if I can wrap my head around the level progression, how it picks it, then I'll probably jump back into it. I think it's a dice roll, but uh, I've, I've not looked at any of these like... Uh, tips articles or anything yet because i've i've been doing okay so yeah okay that's uh super mario 35 uh the last thing we're going to talk about this week uh andrew you've been revisiting uh, dead by daylight ahead of halloween uh, clearly in the spirit of the season yeah after i just got done saying i didn't feel like playing competitive multiplayer games i'm now going to talk about a competitive multiplayer game hypocrites <laughs> <laughs> well i need to talk about a spooky game because i want to talk about a spooky game once a week for the month of October for however long we're here in October uh, and mm-hmm. Dead by Daylight is just it's the horror game I play the most on Switch so it was the <laughs> first game I thought of 
And this came out, I think, just about a year ago, and I, I talked about it on the, the podcast back then, too. Uh, but it was an inexplicably bad recording, and I don't know why that happened. Uh, just my audio quality was really bad. So uh, I'm going to take this opportunity to talk briefly about it again. Dead by Daylight is an asymmetrical online multiplayer game, and now what does asymmetrical mean? Uh, in most multiplayer games you play, there's some form of symmetricality to the competitive aspects of it, where each team has either identical advantages and disadvantages, or disadvantages that offset the advantages they have over other players, depending upon you know what they're playing. But in an asymmetrical game, one player on the field has a clear advantage over the other players on the field, and it's up to the other players on the field to either work together or work against each other to be the one who does not get overtaken by that one player with the big advantage. And how Dead by Daylight configures that idea of multiplayer balance is it casts some of the players as survivors in a slasher movie and one player as the monster in a slasher movie. And you are basically taking uh, the chase scenes from a slasher movie and turning that into a game. How Dead by Daylight works is there's this otherworldly creature called the Entity who has captured a bunch of people and monsters from across history and from across from across media, basically, and has set them loose in this horrorscape of this universe that vaguely resembles our own. And the Entity has summoned survivors who are basically just normal people with not many notable skills to speak of and then the killers the killers are where things get really special like one of the killers uh, is a hunter who can lay down bear traps to try to capture people there's another killer who can throw knives or throw axes another killer has a shotgun with a chain attached to it so they can fire it at survivors and try to drag them over to him so he can then kill them at close range there's a lot of interesting differences between how the two different sides are played. Like when you're a survivor, you, you play in third-person perspective. But when you play as a hunter, you're playing in first-person perspective. Or the killer is played in the first-person perspective. And the killers attack pretty slowly. So you have to really be aiming your hits. Because if you miss, there's quite a long cooldown before you can attack again. You can't just go hog-wild on things. Otherwise, you're not going to hit anything. This was something that I I really held against the game last year when it launched, was some of the guest characters. Uh, they, they even marketed the game on the strengths of many of the guest characters, and many of them weren't actually in the Switch game at the time. Uh, but they have since gotten the Switch version up to par with the other versions of the game, and all the guest characters are here now. So like Ash from the Evil Dead series is a playable survivor, Bill from Left 4 Dead, is in the survivors too and there's a lot of movie <laughs> monsters you can play as for on the killer side like the demogorgon from stranger things is there uh leatherface texas chainsaw massacre michael myers is playable freddy krueger is playable there's all kinds of things you can go over there and there's there's a number of original killers too which is pretty cool uh survivors in order to escape from the current map that they're on they have to find a number of generators that are dotted around the map and try to repair them which is done through a quick time event that's pretty challenging actually and if you fail the quick time event then 
the generator will make a large explosion that immediately lets the killer on the map know where you are. And But if the survivors can activate all of the generators on the map, then the map exit will open. you got to run to that exit on the perimeter and out the door, and you escape uh, to fight another day. But the entity doesn't let the survivors leave. It just immediately sticks them in another scenario because this is multiplayer gaming turned into basically being tortured in hell <laughs> it's a fun game <laughs> uh, and the, the killer's object obviously is to kill all the players but it, it's not just a simple matter of just sneaking up on a survivor and decapitating them it's possible for the killer to do that but it requires certain conditions for it to happen but the main thing the killer is trying to do is to knock survivors over with attacks and then take them to these spits that are dotted around the map and hang them up on the spits and then a countdown timer will start where the survivor hanging on that spit is sacrificed to the entity but the other players can try to save that player before that happens if you got a good team on your side then that's more likely to happen or but then there are are some survivors that actually work better if they're the only survivor left or if they're ignoring the other survivors so there's some interesting balance there i I haven't there are so many survivors i haven't really fully comprehended that part of the game yet but uh depending upon who you're playing as is going to depend upon how much you're really going to be working with the rest of your team and i've complimented asymmetrical games for this in the past and it's true here too uh, how even if you win or lose, especially if you're playing as the killer, it, it's not really a matter of, well, congratulations, you won, or you lost, you fail, you suck, you should quit. It doesn't treat it like that. Uh, it, it just treats the killer getting a certain number of players as, as how well you did in that particular game, not as an outright loss, which I appreciate. It, it makes it seem... Uh, less discouraging if you go up against a good team and you you just lose outright this would be just try again next time it's okay because we're all trapped in hell here forever (laughs) so you're talking about the game or real life both (laughs) (laughs) but the downsides of the game is there's numerous dlcs like i said there's a lot of guest characters a lot of licensed movie characters they're all priced individually they're all they go on sale, which is great, but they're they're six bucks each. So on top of the base price just to get into the game, you've gotta pay additional money and getting everything is gonna add up to about a hundred bucks, hundred plus bucks to have everything. So that's that that's unfortunate. But th- there's nothing stopping you from playing online with other people who already have those DLC packs. Like, if you haven't bought Freddy Krueger, it doesn't mean you can't play with somebody who has. It just means you can't play as him yourself. So there's still content you're experiencing there, which is a good trade-off, I think. Uh, And really, just buy the DLC that interests you (laughs) versus uh, having everything, which which is what I like. So, yeah, I have to fight that impulse within myself <laughs> uh, uh but the biggest downside on the switch port is it's really low resolution it's ugly to look at like it runs really well which is what counts uh for uh, an online competitive game especially this one because it does have cross play with all the other platforms uh so you're not going to be at a disadvantage as far as how the game runs 
including in, in FPS and, you know, network connection, but there's a season pass you can buy with a lot of cosmetic things in it, and I, I don't see the value in that on the Switch version of the game when everything is so low resolution that there's no point in using different things because they're just so ugly to look at and muddy and it all looks not the same but like the Christmas stuff that you can get it doesn't look like Christmas it just looks like the character's wearing a red his torso is red versus wearing a Christmas sweater, which is what it's supposed to be. It's not a great product <laughs> visually on Switch, which is really unfortunate, but there is cross-progression as well. So if you own it on PC or PlayStation 4 and you, you're going away for like a weekend, you can keep playing and you can keep up with your progress, which is, I think, is the main selling point. I, I don't think, like, unless you're a dedicated Switch player, you're still going to have a good time with it here, but I, I think its main use is to people who, you know, need a way to play mm -hmm. their PlayStation 4 game portably, basically. Yeah, I think it's a really good game uh, outside of those visual caveats and definitely worth a look if you can you can get it for a good price yeah i'm definitely interested because uh the good thing about asymmetrical games is there's definitely less of a, a urgency about using comms and obviously you know switch probably doesn't you know people play the switch to use good voice comms uh, in tactical <laughs> games um so that's where it gets me and i also like games where uh you know you sort of out for yourself and you can screw other people over yeah, like when I play online multiplayer games, I'm always solo queuing, mm -hmm. like just because I'm, I'm basically it's mostly because I'm too lazy to to get my online friends together to actually play. And like in most of what I play online, my online friends are not interested in playing, mm -hmm. <laughs> which doesn't help. Uh, but yeah, in asymmetrical online multiplayer games, solo queuing is just not a big deal. So <laughs> that's how a lot of people are playing it. So I think it's the best way to play those kind of games so it's not as you're not feeling left out like you know if you're playing overwatch and you're not in a group queue mm -hmm. and yeah um i just uh, had a look as well it's on game pass if you want to try it for free uh, before you buy um i think i might do that <laughs> uh, i would imagine the game pass version is pretty limited in its in its options it, but you get the idea of the yeah, game it's it's, it's the base you, game if you yeah, if you want to play as Michael Myers, you're going to have to spend some money. Yeah, they're all on sale on Xbox as well. And and on PC broadly, I think, as well. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to check that out. I'm not sure I'll get the Switch version, because uh, of the things that you mentioned. Um, yeah, I, de I definitely have an interest. Uh, the, the thing that did put me off was the DLC, because I didn't know how that worked, but you just sort of cleared that up for me, that I can still experience the content, just not play as the spooky bad guy yeah, there are a couple original characters that are premium dlc too which i was kind of disappointed mm -hmm. by i was like y you can't fund this like you have a season pass that you're selling for this thing you can't fund the original characters through that you've got to charge a premium for them too that that i'm pretty critical on but it's not like there's nothing there in the base game and a lot of the base killers are actually the ones that i prefer to play as so not whining too much and uh, they just uh, released pyramid head not too long ago that could be interesting yeah they did silent hill yeah. um so yeah so that's that uh yeah sounds interesting tori you you up for asymmetrical games 
Uh, usually, yeah. Um, the <laughs> last asymmetrical game I played, though, was Doom Eternal's Battle Mode, which is much... It's two versus one, so it'd be interesting to play something with a team rather than a partner. Yeah, I'm on the verge of deleting that from my PC. Just... Uh, it, it's not the sequel that I wanted. Ooh. So that's it for this week. Okay, folks, what are we playing in the coming week? Tori, we'll start with you. Um, so I've been slowly making my way through more Hyrule Warriors. Um, I want to beat the story before I jump into adventure mode completely. But I did do a little bit of adventure mode and I got Young Link through that. Mm. And I've been watching all of the stuff about Age of Calamity and it's just made me want to play Breath of the Wild again. So, <laughs> Well, you should always want to play Breath of the Wild. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I still haven't played the DLC in that, but I uh, I was thinking maybe that's my Christmas game. I'll go back and do the DLC. Um, I definitely want to do a Master Mode replay as well. I don't know if I have that in me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Andrew, what are you playing? Uh, there's a stealth game coming out called Ghost of a Tale, where you play as a mouse who's like a mouse thief. Uh, yeah, Anytime there's a a game that comes out with anthropomorphized rodents. I've got to play it because I grew up reading <laughs> Redwall. So <laughs> I'm immediately like, oh, well, even if this game is going to suck, I've got to play it. But I've heard good things about this game, so I'm hoping I'll enjoy it. Nice. Uh, and me, I mentioned earlier, I'm just going to go back to Paper Mario and the Origami King while I'm riding the, the Mario hype train. Uh, so, yeah. Thanks for listening to episode 128 of Enfocus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Also, check out our sister shows, PlayState and Power of X. Lots of PlayStation and Xbox news coming up very soon. So if you're into that, check them out. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively GamePodular community. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. Links for all of that are in our show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular Patreon. The details for those are also on our website. Thanks in advance. This episode was edited by Andrew. You can follow Andrew at Play Critically. Andy at Flame Roast Toast, and myself, Stew2, S-T-W-T-W-O, on Twitter.